0: Dear friends of Christ, we share a special themed verse for this sermon this morning. It comes from John's first letter, the opening verses. He says, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. If you were to describe your spiritual journey with Christ, what would you say? Would you be able to describe in words to someone else what you believe yourself? We talk about being authentic people, people who practice what we preach. We live in a society where people really want to know the labels and they read them on items. They shy away from anything that's imitations. They want the real thing. They don't want anything that's artificially colored or perhaps has ingredients that you can't even pronounce on that label. People look at Christians and they want the same thing in the faith that is shared with them. That means that we share what God has done for us, how he's affected our lives, and the effects that our faith has had upon us as well. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we talk about all the mountaintop experiences that we've had. People seem to be more interested in how we go about our everyday lives and how we find faith in what we do and the things we find ourselves in. They want to know how faith has helped us to deal with a seriously sick child or how faith affects us when we face the death of a loved one. Perhaps our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, family even, They want to know how faith helps us to deal with the loss of a job. Or perhaps moving away from a community that we used to call home. And even, what's the impact of our faith upon things that we look at with regard to aging? As we continue our series, Making Your Case for Christ, we're focusing on our journey, our walk in faith, even as we look forward to eternal life with Jesus in heaven as we follow those who have gone before us in faith in that same Lord and Savior, Jesus. In our small group Bible studies this week, there are some key words that are starting with the letter D. There's three of them. And we know that each person's journey is unique, even though it may appear similar to those who you have seen in the lives of other people or perhaps you've even heard about. And one of those words, those D words, is the word decision, or deciding to accept Jesus into your life. Well, I, like many of us, came to faith through baptism as an infant or toddler. No decision was made by us, except for my parents deciding to follow Jesus' command to baptize all nations. Faith was created in me by the Holy Spirit as promised in Acts 2. When Peter says, Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of that Holy Spirit is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now for some people, we know that it was hearing or reading the Bible, And that's where God's word, again, by the Holy Spirit, was planting the seed of faith in them and enabling it to grow within them. So when the time might come that a person says that they decided to follow Jesus, faith is already filling them even before they knew it. As Paul told the Corinthians, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And he says to the Romans, too, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're also reminded in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. When children receive a gift, what's the two words that we tell them to say? It's thank you, right? In the same way, we can only thank God for his love for us in Christ and for his bringing us into his family of believers. And that's called justification. Very simply, if we have faith, God gets all the credit. And if we reject that gift, that gift of faith, then we take all the blame. I love Martin Luther's explanation of the third article of the Apostles' Creed. And he says, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. The Spirit's enlightened me with his gifts and sanctified and kept me in the true faith. And later on in that explanation, he concludes, On the last day he will raise me and all the dead, and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. Talk about a journey. God is the one who guides our faith and our life from start to eternity. To believe and trust in Jesus is really the most important thing in this world, even when we look at all the things that mean most to us in our life. We can find fellowship and joy in Jesus, who is the word of life. We can find intimacy and the pleasure of his companionship when we're in a relationship with him. And that's what John, the one who wrote these words in his first letter, says that he and his friends found. They were rugged fishermen. They were used to hard life on the seas. They worked hard to earn a living, and even putting up with those unpredictable storms that would crop up on that sea of galilee life was not easy for them in fact john and his brother james they're actually nicknamed the sons of thunder the sons of zebedee and it wasn't because they were nice easygoing fellows no they were the ones who as jesus and his disciples are walking together they wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy a town that had rejected jesus no they were not timid And yet these rugged fishermen, they found joy in the companionship of Christ. They experienced God himself in the flesh. They heard him with their own ears. They saw him with their own eyes. They touched him with their own hands. They weren't making this stuff up. You see, Jesus was such an amazing person when he came that there was a rumor that began to circulate during the first and second centuries. And that was that Jesus is God, but he really didn't exist in the flesh. He wasn't human. And so they thought he was just a spiritual being that had a heavenly body. But John says, no, we heard him, we saw him, we touched him ourselves. He was as real as you and me. Also, a main reason for the Apostles' Creed that we share on those non-communion Sundays, what's the bulk of that whole creed? It's about Jesus, explaining how human Jesus is. To be around Jesus is to be around the one who's known as the life. And that's how John describes him in verse 2. He says, the life appeared. We've seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you that eternal life. The one who is with the Father and has appeared to us. Jesus himself, in that great shepherd passage of John chapter 10, He says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This past week, we remember that day of September eleventh, two 2001. And when one of the planes had crashed into the Pentagon 18 years ago now, Officer Isaac Hoopy was nearby the building, but he was outside. And immediately he began helping people who were coming out and in some cases, he even was carrying them out. But Hoopie wanted to do more. Wearing only his short sleeve blue-colored uniform as a policeman, with no mask, no protective coat, and not even a handkerchief, he ran into that darkness of the Pentagon. And someone yelled at him to stop. And he shouted back, we got to get people. And suffocating on that smoke... Hoopie heard the building cracking. And he called out, Is anybody in here? Is anybody here? Well, Wayne Sinclair and five of his co-workers, they were crawling through the rubble, and they lost all sense of direction when they heard Hoopie's voice. And they cried out, and Hoopie responded, Head toward my voice. Head toward my voice. And so they followed his voice. And Sinclair and those co-workers they made their way out of the crumbling building. Hoopy's words were literally words of life. They were words of life to those people. And we know in the same way that Jesus himself is the word of life. He's that word for anyone who listens to him. In fact, he's the only way of life. He's the only way to eternal life and abundant life. John and his friends they experienced that life with Christ. They saw that he was a flesh and blood, Jesus, as the word of life. And they wanted you and me to experience that in the same way. And that's why John is writing those words here in his letter. And then he goes on to say, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That word fellowship means to share things in common. John wants us to share in the experience with the Lord, too. He wants us to have that same experience that Jesus is the life-changing personal encounter of the living God of the universe. He's the one who became flesh and blood to be a human being as us. If you want to delight in the intimacy of a relationship with Christ, If you want the pleasure of companionship with him, then you must experience Christ personally. How do we do that? We do it by spending time in his word, listening to him. We do it by talking to him, as we do in confession and in prayer. In that way, we know that he can become our closest friend, closer than anybody we know ourselves. And as a result... He will change our life from the inside out. And trusting Him, we can ask God to fill us with His Holy Spirit every day. That same Spirit who had created faith in us enables us to consult the Lord on every decision we need to make in life and to share every day in thanksgiving to Him. When you see a beautiful sunrise, unlike this morning, thank Him for it. And yes, you can thank him for the rain too. And when you perhaps are facing a problem, ask him to help you through it. Don't try to just do it on your own. He's there. Just enjoy his presence every step of the way in your journey. That's really our yes response to Jesus. Yes, Lord, I'm deciding each day to follow you and to walk with you because you're always with me. That's what we call holy living for the Lord. That's what we call sanctification. And then, don't keep Jesus just to yourself. If you want to increase your joy, share him with others. Let people know of your experience so that they can share in the joy too. And that's what John is doing here. In verse 2, he says, We proclaim to you that eternal life, and that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you, and we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John and his friends, they found great joy in knowing the Lord personally, through the hearing and seeing and, and being able to touch a real person. They found great joy in their experience with Christ, but they wanted to complete their joy. They wanted to make their joy full. They wanted to be filled with even more joy. How did they do that? By sharing it with others. There is absolute joy, we know, in the victory that Christ won for us through the cross and the empty tomb. But there's even greater joy in the telling of that victory. And so it is when we experience Christ. There was a young adult named Angie. She was a Christian college student. She was on a flight from Chicago to Lincoln, Nebraska, And sitting next to her was a 19-year-old man who was from Saudi Arabia. He was on his way to the University of Nebraska. Yes, they did beat Northern Illinois yesterday in football. Well, Angie, as they spoke, she learned that this man had never been in the United States before. And that's when she felt Jesus tugging at her heart. And they talked about his feelings about being so far away from home, And Angie asked him if he knew anything about American culture. And that's when Angie told him that she was a Christian and asked about his spiritual background. And she told him that he would probably meet a number of people in Nebraska who were Christians. And she said it'd probably be good to help understand a little of where they're coming from. And so she reached in her purse and she pulled out a little booklet and she went through each point of this Christian booklet with him. And they talked a little bit more. And Angie went back to reading a book that she had, and he went back to that booklet, and he read it from cover to cover. And Angie says, I could hardly concentrate when reading my book because I was so excited. I was praying for him as he was reading that booklet. Thankful to be reminded this morning in the word that God is the one who works, who convicts people of their need for him. And after that man finished reading, Angie asked him what he thought. And he said, it's pretty interesting. And as they landed, she told him that she'd pray for him. And then she was convicted to do it right there. It was scary. What would this Muslim think? Well, she asked him if she could pray with him, and he immediately said yes. And at the baggage claim, Angie went over and met his cousin, And she invited them both to a a great American culture event. It was a Christmas Eve service at her church. She wrote a friend and she said, this is why I love being a Christian. It's heart pounding. It's scary at times and exhilarating when I see someone that I know Jesus wants to believe in him. And I have the choice to step out in faith or stay in security. That's the joy of being a Christian, of knowing Christ. It's a heart-pounding yet scary thing at times, but it's exhilarating when you step out in faith. God accomplishes his work in unexpected ways. We know there's unexpected circumstances that he does that. I'm going to conclude with a true story about Pastor Jacob Heine. He's a fellow pastor in Rockford, And he was running the Dopey Challenge. Not sure if you know what that is, but it's four races that they run at Disney World. And it's over the course of four days. There's a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and then finally a marathon. A total of those four days of 48.6 miles. And during the marathon, that last day at mile five, uh, Jacob's knee began to ache, And so he slowed down to a walk, trying to determine if he should just drop out of the race or perhaps keep laboring on. And runners are passing by him, and there's even costumed runners who are going faster than him. And he notices a large blue shape that's moving at his pace. And he looked closer and he recognized Stitch, the small blue hyperactive alien from Disney's movie Lilo and Stitch. And so Stitch and Jacob are walking stride by stride together. Now, Stitch had a problem. He had an Achilles tendon problem, which was forcing him to walk instead of run. Well, in the next 21.2 miles, Jacob would learn that Stitch's name was really Andy. And the two would strike up a friendship that only suffering through a marathon could enable them. After the race... They went their separate ways, but not before connecting on Facebook. And months later, Andy sends a message to Pastor Jacob, and he says, You never told me you were a pastor. Over the next two years from that race, Andy would message Pastor Heine on Facebook every day. And the first question that he gave to him was, Why do you think your religion is superior to all other religions? Pastor Heine's simple response was, All other religions require you to do something in order to reach their form of salvation. Christianity says that our God in Jesus did all the work for us so that we could be sure of our salvation. More questions followed over time. Questions like, how could God die? Or how is there power in prayer to make a difference in your life? And who can be saved? Andy's not a believer, but he is curious about the Christian faith. And we can all pray that the Holy Spirit continues to work through Andy's relationship with Pastor Heine. The Apostle John, he knew the benefit of a right relationship with Christ. And that's why he desired others to experience that with him as well. We too need that personal fulfilling relationship with christ each day through him we know we receive strength for all the difficulties we experience and he gives us the guidance as we walk that journey among others in this world we know what christ has done for us and we are confident that he has the power to do the same for others the world stands in desperate need of salvation in Christ. Will we do as John did and proclaim Jesus when God gives us that opportunity? In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.